Good morning, everybody. So take a minute and build the visualization of being in the presence of all the holy beings imagined in the space in front of you and yourselves surrounded by all the sentient beings. And then generate the feeling of taking refuge in the three jewels and the sincere wish to lead all other living beings in taking refuge and generating bodhicitta together with you. Let's cultivate our motivation. When we talk about the far enemy of compassion, we're talking about what's the opposite of compassion that interferes with it. And that far enemy is anger. So there cannot be compassion and anger in the mind manifest at the same time. Compassion is a virtuous mental factor. Anger is a non-virtuous one. And not only is anger non-virtuous, planting seeds of negative, negative karma in our mind streams, but also it destroys the virtue that we've previously created. It inhibits it from uh, ripening or makes it ripen in a weaker fashion. Uh, It makes it, let me start over, (laughs) it either inhibits the virtuous karma from ripening or it makes it ripen Uh, so that the pleasant result is much weaker or shorter term. So we have to become really convinced about the drawbacks of anger. If we aren't convinced, then it's difficult to do something to manage our anger, to... uh, eventually eradicate it. So for a minute, contemplate the disadvantages of anger. You've learned these in the previous teachings. And make a strong determination to counteract it, to generate compassion and based on compassion, bodhicitta, aiming for a full awakening.
So, anger, our old friend. Yeah? We see anger as our friend, don't we? It's going to protect us. Anger is going to win the the argument and show that we are really the right one after all. Yeah? And others should really listen to us. And anyway, our anger is always justified. It's never based on exaggeration, is it? Always justified. And yet we get so tangled up when we're angry. Yeah? I mean, there's like so many different mental factors come one after the other with anger because there's a attachment to some kind of goal, but we're not getting that, so we're irritated. But we don't want to appear irritated and angry. We want to appear to be nice so that other people will like us. But we have to let them know somehow that we're really displeased with what, how they're responding to what we did. But we're displeased. We're not angry. Well, maybe a little bit. And we want to let them know. Because again, we're attached uh, to them liking us. Yeah. Because nobody's allowed not to like me. You know? So then, of course, I want to explain everything to the other person so they won't be mad at me. So I won't lose my reputation, uh, which I'm attached to, and then get more angry at them for uh, misunderstanding me. And that makes me really angry. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? We get really tangled up. Yeah? And it's like, okay, how can I manipulate this situation so that I get what I want, but I don't look bad? Right? Right? And then we devise all sorts of ways to do that. And then our precious human life goes by and goes by and goes by. Yeah. So, uh, now, good to ask ourselves, you know, how important are these episodes that get us so mm, mashed up, messed up, messed up? <laughs> yeah. How important are they really in the long view of things? And how much are we going to remember them later? Yeah, because this could help us just put it down. But we put it down, but then it's still there. (laughs) Yeah, because we really do want that person to understand us and to like us. But I'm mad at them, and how are they going to like me when I'm mad at them? But... I'm mad at them because they misunderstood what I was doing. 
So I've got to make them understand that they won't be mad. Then I won't be mad. <laughs> then we'll live happily ever after until we do it all again. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's hard sometimes to really put things down. Uh, you know, the mind can be quite sticky and really hang on to things. So, to help us get unstuck, Shantideva wrote chapter 6. Yeah, and our usual response to all the antidotes to anger that he presents us with is, yes, but... And then the reason why that antidote really won't work in the given situation we're thinking about. Because... You know, we are right after all, and we can't let people step all over us. And anger is the only thing that prevents people from stepping all over us. That's a big assumption in this mess, isn't it? Yeah, that anger is my protector, and it prevents people from walking all over me. I want to be Yamantaka. <laughs> but then the problem is, I don't have any friends afterwards. <laughs> yeah? Okay. So, where we left off last time, we were talking about how when a situation occurs, yeah, if I cling to my body and others are harming my body why do I get mad at them when they may be doing the harm but I created the cause to have this kind of body yeah so is it really you know why am I mad I I was very much involved in this whole process and then we talked about how sometimes we do things that aren't so nice that then instigate other people to do things, and then they harm us, and to look at the situation and think they're creating negativity, which will result in a lower rebirth and suffering for them in the future. So aren't I harming them by retaliating against what they did to me, or by getting, uh, you know, um, doing something harmful to them or inconsiderate to them in the first place. and But then to realize that here we're not blaming ourselves, it's not blaming the victim of somebody else's anger, it's simply realizing that there's many causes and conditions involved and our behavior happens to be one of them. Yeah, is that... Is that clear? I think that that's, I find that quite helpful because when I see it as uh, a situation with many causes and conditions, then it doesn't appear so solid. And there is something I can do, which is change my own attitude, change my own actions. And if I change that, the whole situation's going to change. Okay. Okay. 
Whereas if I dig my heels in and I do more of the above, the situation is going to escalate. And then we talked about verse uh, 48. It's very interesting how when others harm us, then we have the opportunity to purify our negativity, yeah, by saying that this suffering I'm experience is the ripening of my own harmful karma, so that's purifying the karma, but, you know. Um, and so if we can do this with patience, then we stop the whole thing, yeah. But though the other person still created negativity and harming me, because I instigated something. Yeah. This should have been brought up in the Rittenhouse trial. Yeah. Yeah. We do something that seems innocuous, seems innocuous, but it actually provokes somebody else's negative behavior. And then we get upset in return. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, aren't we harming them through being, you know, doing something obnoxious that sparks their anger? It doesn't mean we are deliberately harming them. Okay. But it, it is a call for us to look at our behavior and see if we're being considerate in the, you know, at the beginning. Or if we're, you know, deliberate, you know, accidentally on purpose. You remember that one? Yeah, you accidentally on purpose do something. And uh, <laughs> I'm innocent. But actually, we're still the provocation for somebody else's negativity. Okay. And then in verse 49, which was the last one we did, so since I am causing harm to them by my obnoxious behavior and making them be angry, and they are benefiting me by providing the situation for me to patiently accept suffering and thus purify my, uh, my past negativities. So since that's the reality of the situation, then why, unruly mind, do you become angry in such a mistaken manner. So why are we becoming angry? You know, if we can see this situation in a different viewpoint, then we don't get angry. And uh, we swallow and accept our part in the situation and then work on changing our own behavior. And that enables us to just drop the whole thing Okay, because what, at least what I've seen myself when I don't want to drop it, yeah, is intellectually I'll say drop it, drop it, and inside it's like, no, they're wrong. (laughs) And that voice is screaming, no, they're wrong, and I need to stick up for myself. And uh, that's a, a difficult voice, you know to turn around and look at that voice and say, that's part of the problem. Yeah, that mind is part of the problem. So 
We're not saying that you just sit by passively when people are doing harmful things. Yeah, there is a time to go and explain things and, you know, reconcile. But it's not when we have the voice of, but they have to understand. Okay, so do you see that there's, we can do one behavior with two different motivations. One motivation is going to be virtuous, one is not. Okay. So that's the tricky thing, because we always go to what do I do instead of what's happening in my mind. Okay, verse 50. If my mind has the noble quality of fortitude, I shall not go to the lower realms. Although I am protecting myself in this way, how will it be so for them? So when I've provoked somebody else... Yeah, and then they retaliate. If I, you know, stay calm in the whole thing and practice fortitude, yeah, I'm not in any danger of, of creating negative karma, but I've left them angry, and so what kind of status? What's going to happen to them in the future? Okay, nevertheless... 51. Should I return the harm, it will not protect them either. <laughs> so our minds, our mind is very tricky. Oh, if I'm patient, then, you know, they're still creating negativity, but they're letting me purify my, my negative karma by being, uh, having fortitude. So maybe I should give them the opportunity to practice fortitude and retaliate. Yeah. So you see how our mind use, uses very twisted argu argument, very twisted logic. Well, I'm going to help them by, uh, you know, <laughs> provoking them again. Okay. But Ashanti Deva says if you're thinking of doing that, you know, that doesn't protect them either. But by doing so, my conduct will deteriorate. And henceforth, the fortitude I'm developing will be destroyed. Okay. So thinking that we're going to help somebody else by, by accidentally on purpose provoking them, yeah, is, uh, you know, it's not going to work. We're actually harming ourselves. Okay. Because our conduct is deteriorating. Our fortitude has has deteriorated. Yeah. Then 52, since my, this is a very interesting verse. Since my mind is not physical, in no way can anyone destroy it. Right? Your mind can't be destroyed. One moment of clarity and awareness produces the next moment. Yeah, there's no way to stop that. Okay. But through the mind's being greatly attached to my body, it has caused harm by physical suffering. Okay, so when the body is harmed, then because our mind is attached to the body, then the mind suffers too. 
Okay? So somebody beats you or hits you or whatever. Yeah? There's physical pain. The mind has not been hurt. Nothing can destroy the, the mind. But, okay, the, the mind gets very upset because of the physical pain. It's kind of like when you get sick and physically you feel miserable, but then your mind gets angry at being sick. Yeah, have you ever had that happen? It's like you feel lousy, and instead of just, you know, resting and, you know, lying on your bed, say some mantra or something, you know, instead of that, it's like, well, there's a few things that happen. One is, why am I getting sick? This isn't fair. I take good care of myself, so I shouldn't be getting sick. And then you get mad at the sickness. Yeah, that does a lot of good, doesn't it? Yeah. Or somebody beats you, and, you know, you hurt after that. And, you know, I, I don't want to hurt. I mean, why is my body hurting? And I'm mad at them, and I'm mad at my body, and I'm mad at not being able to do what I want because my body hurts. You know, Or you go skiing, and you come back with a bro- broken leg, and then you're mad. You know, you get mad at your leg for breaking. You get mad because you're in pain. You get mad because you can't go skiing again for a while. Yeah. So by the body, you know, experiencing pain, then the mind gets all kind of bonkers. And they've done scientific studies that when our mind is upset, it takes longer to heal. When our mind is calm and our mind is peaceful, the body is able to heal more quickly and more effectively. Uh, So actually, we're getting in our own way when we get angry because of not liking to be sick or injured or whatever, you know, it is. Uh, And we have bodies made of flesh and blood that are receptive to pain. So it will definitely happen that we will get sick and injured and get old and die and, you know, all these things are going to happen. So it's good to prepare our minds now and learn to deal with little upsets to our body, you know, instead of thinking, well, I'll indulge myself by getting upset now, but, you know, when it's really important and really hurting, then I'll practice dharma. Uh, it doesn't work that way. We have to make start making the habits right now and cultivating that response right now. Okay. But it's interesting to ask yourself, when your body is in pain, why is the mind getting so upset about it? Why, you know, nothing's going to destroy the mind. And the physical pain is not going to destroy us. It's only because we're attached to the body. And then it's like, I might lose this body, and then who will I be? And, you know, I'll be crippled, 
if I don't die, I'm going to be crippled. And then what? And, you know, and how the mind fantasizes all kinds of horror shows when the body doesn't feel well. Yeah? You experience that? Mm, yeah. You know, or you go for a test and then they call and they want you to come back. Yeah, oh, that's so lovely when they do that, you know. And then, you know, you can't have the appointment for two weeks, so you spend two weeks in anxiety. And then you go back and it's nothing. Yeah. And why couldn't they have told me that in the beginning? <laughs> okay. But to, to really, when we're in that mental state, why am I, you know, getting so upset about this? Okay. And then 53 continues along that. Okay. Since disrespect, harsh speech, and unpleasant words, directed in my way, do not cause any harm to my body, why, mind, do you become so angry? So, okay, you know, I'm attached to my body, so I get angry when the body gets hurt. But, you know, when other people show disrespect or criticize me or speak harshly or whatever, it's not harming my mind. My mind doesn't have dents in it. It's not bleeding. It's not going to die. Yeah, nothing bad is happening to my mind, and nothing bad is happening to my body when people speak harshly. So why am I becoming so angry when I hear certain kind of words like criticism and blame and it feedback that, that I don't want to hear because I, I want praise? So it's a good question to ask ourselves. Yeah, why do I get so bent out of shape when actually what is it that is getting harmed? My body's not getting harmed. Is my mind getting harmed? Yeah. Is your mind going, hello, this is mine speaking. And those words are putting dents in me. Yeah. They're making me bleed. What are you going to say to your mind? Like, come on. That doesn't happen to you. And then my mind goes, but, 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 I'm suffering. And then you ask your mind, why are you suffering? I don't want to hear criticism. But the mind only cognizes data and processes data and has feelings and discriminations and so forth. What about the mind is really being harmed? Okay. Then you get to, well, okay, body's not being harmed, mind's not being harmed. I am being harmed. Okay. But we only designate I in dependence on the body and mind. And so if neither of them is harmed, why am I harmed? And then your mind says, okay, yeah, yeah. 
but I still hurt. And then you ask, who hurts? Okay, yeah, I'm saying I hurt. So, who hurts? Yeah, somebody said, what kind of idiot are you for doing that? I counted on you and you just completely blew it. Okay, so who is it that is hurt? Who is it that got criticized? Yeah, who? So you sit there. Who? And you try and find the I that got criticized. Yeah. And it's very difficult to identify some kind of separate I that got criticized. All you can keep repeating is, okay, it's not my body, it's not my mind, but I got criticized. And then you ask it again, who got criticized? I got criticized. Well, yeah, but I don't understand what the word I refers to. Explain to me what the word I refers to so I can understand who it is that got criticized or what it is that got criticized. You have this little discussion with yourself and see if you can find who it is. And in the end, you just get exasperated and more angry. Oh, I don't know who got angry, but I got angry, and you're the cause of it. And then you blame the other person again. Okay. So we've been down that road before. But it's an interesting thing to ask. Yeah? Whose reputation just got ruined? Yeah? Somebody didn't just criticize me to my face. They did it in front of a whole bunch of people. And they said my name. And everybody looked at me. And I want to look good in front of all these people. And now I'm so embarrassed. But I didn't do anything wrong. So why are these people looking at me like this? Okay. So, yeah, so who is it that got upset? And who's putting a new battery in their hearing aid? (laughs) Online, where everybody can see. You know, it's very interesting. You can put your glasses on and off. You can talk about your glasses. But talking about having a hearing aid... People in society just, they don't do that unless you see somebody else who has a hearing aid who you know will understand you. Yeah. It's true, though, isn't it? You can talk about your glasses and everything, but to talk about having a hearing problem and then have something like this, especially where you have to change the battery, when it's online 
and you don't know who in the universe is looking at you? What will happen to my reputation? Well, it's already gone, so... (laughs) Might as well enjoy. (laughs) Anyway, I have to wait until the battery's in the air for five minutes before I can put it in there, so... The issue is going to come up. But see, I can put my glasses on. I can take my glasses off. Perfectly societally acceptable. Isn't it? Nobody thinks twice. Yeah? Even you're wearing contacts and your contact lens falls out and you're crawling on the ground trying to locate it. That's societally acceptable. Yeah? But having hearing aids? Something's wrong with you. Yes. First year you went back to Singapore and had hearing aids. It was a thing. You don't know it, but at the back people are like, is she wearing hearing aids? <laughs> and then Venerable is getting older. <laughs> yeah, it, pe- there were people who were sad and all kinds of reactions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite interesting. And every year I go back there, they say, you look, um, what's the word in sing, what they say? Kind of like, you look, uh, you look thinner. Yeah, you look thinner. Which means, you look older. (laughs) Okay. If they say you slim down, that's good, you lost weight. But you look thinner means you look older. Yeah. They don't say, oh, you have a new crop of gray hair. Yeah. But you do. Okay. So since disrespect, harsh speech, and unpleasant words do not harm, uh, do not cause any harm to my body, why mind do you become so angry? 54. Here's what the mind is responding. Okay. So mind says, because others will dislike me. Yeah. You criticize me and other people hear about it, then those people will dislike me and they will lose respect for me and they'll think that I did something wrong and I don't want anybody to think bad about me. Okay. And then your wisdom mind says, but since it will not devour me, even in this or in a, in another uh, life, why do not I not want this deli- dislike? Okay. So you can see with Shanti Dev, he's, he's always having these conversations with, with himself. Yeah. So wisdom side says, yeah, body isn't harmed, mind isn't harmed by these harsh words. What's up? Why are you, why mind are you angry? Because people will dislike me. And they're not allowed to do that. And then your wisdom mind says, but since their words and their dislike are not going to devour me, either in this life or in a future life, 
Why do I not want this dislike? Why am I so mad when people dislike me? Okay. Now, my response is, we'll get to Shantideva's responses. My response is, because they broke a rule of the universe. Yeah. First rule of my universe is everybody has to like me. And you broke it. Yeah. You broke it by making my mind unhappy. So I'm not mad at my mind for getting unhappy. I'm mad at the other person for creating those sound waves in the air. <laughs> okay, but here's what Shanti Devas says. Yeah, because it will hinder my worldly gain. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, yeah, I care about my worldly gain. I care about my reputation. I care about people respecting me. I care about, you know, getting offerings and money and, and, you know, higher status in, in things. Yeah. And if people say bad things about me, especially in public, it's going to hinder that. And then our devious mind says, and I need to have a good reputation. After all, in the Bodhisattva vows, it says, if you, you have a bad, bad reputation, you should do something to, you know, kind of overcome that. So I'm just keeping a Bodhisattva vow. And then your wisdom mind says, well, According to the Bodhisattva vows, you want to have a good reputation so that you can benefit sentient beings. But your wish, your motivation for having a good reputation is you want worldly gain. You're not keeping your Bodhisattva vow. Okay, see, are you following this discussion between the two sides of yourself? Okay, so that that's if, you know... Negative mind adds that that bit about bodhisattva. Otherwise, yeah, what your wisdom mind says, yeah, even if I do not want, uh, you know, you, you, you talk to yourself, even if you you know you you don't want the, this uh, worldly gain, uh, you're going to have to leave it behind anyway. Yeah, and your wrongdoing alone will remain unmoved. Here it's said in the first person. I'm doing it in the form of a dialogue, okay? But you can talk to yourself in the first person or the second person, okay? So, why don't I like this? Why don't I want to be disliked? Because it will hinder my worldly gain. But even if I don't want that, I still have to leave all my worldly gains behind when I die. They all stay here. None of them are worth anything. And my wrongdoing alone will remain unmoved. My negative karma that I created will go with me to the next life. Okay? So your whole argument is shot down. I find that, you know... 
for me, it's always been quite necessary. I, I'm not somebody who can sit and watch the anger. Yeah, some traditions recommend doing that. You just sit and observe the anger. I find that difficult because when I think my anger is right, I'm not going to sit and observe it. I'm going to fight for what is right. And the only thing that works for me to tear down my think my thought that anger is my protector is showing how my anger is wrong. Okay? So this kind of argument between my angry mind and my wisdom mind is very effective for cutting through all the justifications why my anger is good, why it's necessary, how I'm right, and how I've got to prove I'm right to the whole world. And you know what? The whole world doesn't really care. Yeah, it really doesn't care. Nobody, not that many are thinking, people are thinking about us. Then, then your mind says, but if I don't care what people think of me, I'm going to become like hoo-hoo and ha-ha and ha-ha, who are on the internet all day sending tweets you know, vicious tweets criticizing other people, and they don't care what the world thinks of them either. They just keep dishing out their horrible tweets. So if, you know, I don't defend myself, and if you're really telling me not to care, then I'll become like those people. Really? Yeah. Do you really think that you'll totally lose your sanity <laughs> and start tweeting insults day and night if you don't care about what other people think of you? Is that the only thing that's inhibiting you? Okay. It's quite interesting, really, to, to ask. And then think of, wait. Yeah, that's the right ear. I'm going to put two, two hearing aids in one ear. Okay. Yeah, but it's amazing how our mind thinks of so many excuses, so many reasons. And you have to look and shoot down each one of them. Okay, but the conclusion of all of this is verse 56. Thus it is better that I die today than live a long but wicked life. This is not encouraging suicide, okay? This is not encouraging suicide. It is not saying that, you know, because you get upset because when people criticize you that it's better that you die today than live a long and wicked life, so... You know, it's, you know, Shantideva is not saying that. But what it's saying, yeah, the, the rest of the verse, for even if people like me should live a long time, 
there will always be the suffering of death. Okay? So it's saying, yeah, that if even if I live a long time and I'm trying not, I'm spending this whole life trying not to suffer and, you know, from having a bad reputation or physical pain or anything, yeah, I'm eventually going to die at the time of death all my worldly stuff that I spent so much time fighting for, protecting, getting mad, if it's in jeopardy, getting mad because people criticize me for getting it or having it, getting jealous of other people who have more uh, than I do or who have a better reputation than I do when I'm actually better than them. When we die, none of it matters. Yeah. Then the mind says, but I want to have a good legacy. I want, after I die, for people to think well of me. Why? Why? Because then I'll know that I'm a good person. If other people praise me after I'm dead, then I'll know I'm a good person. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one is other people thinking you're a good person doesn't make you a good person. You cannot cheat karma. And number two... Even if you had this fantastic reputation after you died, you're not going to be around to enjoy it. And you're not even going to know that you had this wonderful legacy that you left behind because you're going to be in another realm. And because of creating non-virtue, it's going to be an unfortunate realm. Yeah. And the mind says, oh, but... I just want to have a good obituary, you know. Let me, I'll read my obituary and and then I'll forget about it, you know. In my next life, I'll read my obituary from this life. Well, excuse me, you're not going to be able to read your obituary. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to have any contact with your obituary because you're going to be experiencing your next life. Just like right now, you don't know what your obituary from your last life said. Do you? Anybody here? Can you read your obit from your previous life? Do you know in your previous life you left a good legacy and that people are praising you? Okay. Okay, so Shanti Deva is going to keep along this line. Okay, he doesn't relent, he doesn't give up. So he says, Suppose someone should awaken from a dream in which they experienced a hundred years of happiness. And suppose another person should awaken from a dream in which they experienced just one moment of happiness. Okay. 
So imagine these two people. This one, you know, alarm went off, quarter to five, like every day. And, oh, I had a dream that I had a hundred years of happiness. Somebody else's alarm, your roommate's alarm went off. They woke up. Oh, I had one moment of happiness in my dream. Okay. Is the person who dreamt of having a hundred moments of happiness any better off after waking up than the person who dreamt of having one moment? Are they any better off? No. Do they even feel happier? Yeah. Last night's dream is not here. Okay. For both these people who have awoken, that happiness will never return. Similarly, whether my life has been long or short, at the time of death it will be finished like this. So Shantideva is hitting strongly here on attachment to the happiness of this life or attachment to the happiness only of this life. The only should be put in there. Okay? So you may have a hundred years of happiness in this life, or you may have one year of happiness in this life. But after you die and you're reborn, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's all like last night's dream, and it's gone. So even in this life, yeah, if we have one year of happiness or we have one day of happiness, after the year is over, it really doesn't matter because we're both in, you know, if you, two people, one with a whole year of happiness, one with one day, at the end of the year, they're both in the same place. Okay. So it really doesn't matter how much happiness you had. It's all gone. And that's the nature of samsara, okay? The things are impermanent. So what Shantideva is pointing out here is that the happiness of this life is nice, but it's really not going to do anything profound for you. Okay, it's better to create virtue because if you habituate your mind with virtue, your mind will be happy. Yeah, if you if all you do is remember the happiness you experienced in the past, and that memory makes you happy. Okay, it may make you happy for a few minutes when you look at it, look at your old pictures, but it's not going to do anything for you in your next life. It's not going to transform your character and make you a wiser and more compassionate human being. It's just a bunch of memories like last night's dream. Yeah, so even in this life, do we want to spend our old age 
drowning in memories. Yeah, because you might drown in good memories, but if you really are attached to your memories, then you're also going to drown in bad memories too. And just like the good memories are not happening now, the bad memories aren't happening now. And then the question comes, then why are we so attached to good and bad memories? None of them are happening right now. Why do they have force over our present life? Okay. And then something in your mind goes, oh, that's why my teacher didn't want to hear my story. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to explain my whole story, and they weren't really interested. They're more interested in what is going on in your mind right now. Is it virtuous? Is it non-virtuous? If it's non-virtuous, are you applying the antidote? Or are you justifying, rationalizing, suppressing, blaming, etc., etc.? Because the creation of karma happens in this moment. It's not happening in in the memory. Okay. Unless, of course, you're remembering something bad and you get angry. Yeah. Then you're sitting in perfect meditation position. Oh, I want to clobber that person for what they did to me 40 years ago. Really? It's still bothering you what they did 40 years ago? Some of you are going, I'm not even that old. (laughs) Yeah? Well, it doesn't matter. 40 years, 10 years, doesn't matter. Three days, it doesn't matter. Whatever it was, it's done. Uh So why hang on to the grudge? Because the grudge gives me an identity. Who am I? Now in my family, I am the person who will never forgive so-and-so. That's a wonderful identity to have, isn't it? Wonderful way to set yourself apart as I am the person who will not sit next to that family member ever again. So Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah, you sit at one end of the table. They sit at the other end of the table. The rest of the family's in between trying to pretend that there's this, not this arctic air flowing between the two of you, making the whole room freezing cold. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. (laughs) Okay, so this is the kind of stupidagios our mind gets invested in. Yeah? Somebody did something for 20 minutes and for the rest of our lives, yeah, we are going to drown 
in our own anger by hating them. The very good form of self-torture. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need ISIS. If you want torture, you don't need to get captured by ISIS. You can do it to yourself. Yeah, it's free that way. Yeah. Okay. Although I may live happily for a long time through obtaining a great deal of material wealth, I shall go forth empty-handed and destitute, just like having been robbed by a thief. And we have been robbed by a thief. What's the thief? Anger. Anger robbed us of our happiness because we're holding a grudge. Anger robbed us of our happiness that comes from having a, a virtuous mind because we held on to the anger. And I think dying, you know, with, with anger, and dying either because you're angry that you're dying or dying because you're still angry at somebody from this life. Either way, yeah, or dying because the person you're sharing the room with in the hospital is watching a war movie and it's disturbing you. Can't I even die in peace? Turn off the television. You know, whenever anger is in our mind, it's, it's disturbing our happiness. It's robbing us. Okay, now the mind still isn't satisfied, so it's coming up with something more. You know, because we just said, although I may live a hap- happily for a long time through accumulating a great wealth, I shall go forth empty-handed and destitute, like being robbed by a thief. And angry mind says, angry attached mind says, surely material wealth will enable me to live. Yeah, and I'll be able to live a long life. So, you know, it's justifying attachment to a material wealth and anger at the people who interfere with our getting at it. Okay, surely material wealth will enable me to live long, and then I shall be able to consume transgressions and do good. Yeah? So I need to have this material life, wealth, and I need to have happiness of this life because then I can practice the Dharma and do the purification practices and consume all the negative karma I created by being angry. Yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah? You aren't smiling. Uh, you know, I mean, it sounds really good. Okay. I was attached in the past. I was angry in the past. But, yeah, it was still worthwhile because now I can live happily and I'm going to have time and a nice, comfortable life to do prostrations and Vajrasattva mantra and purify all that negativity and create some virtue. Okay. Look here. You know, I have especially... 
a plush, soft carpeting so to do my prostrations. And I got that because I have material wealth. Yeah, and I even have my own prostration board. It's really shiny. I can slide down very quickly without much effort. Then I can do more prostrations. And I have a really nice altar. Yeah, with this beautiful picture of the Buddha and a comfortable seat and my whole empire, you know, because I'm not limited to just a puja table in a monastery, I can set up my whole altar with all my pictures, everything. And now I can do Vajrasattva. Om Vajrasattva Samaya Manapalaya Harakadhanapatita Dhiramibhava Okay, and then Shanti Deva says back, talking to yourself here, But if I am angry on account of it, will not my merit be consumed and transgressions increase? So if I'm angry on account of, you know, everything I had to do to get my material wealth so that I could do my purification practices for having created the negative karma, I've gotten angry, you know, I'm just consuming more merit and creating more transgression. Okay, verse 61. And what use will be the life of one who only commits wrongdoing? If for the sake of material gain, one causes the merits needed for life to degenerate. So he's hitting again. Oh, you know, Shanti is talking to us. Oh, so you think accumulating lots of material things is good and you can justify that your anger is helping you do it, and so is your craving and attachment. Well, those things create wrongdoing, and what's the use of of a life that is spent only in creating wrongdoing? Especially creating wrongdoing if for the sake of getting material gain... I cause the merit that is needed to live a long life to degenerate. Okay? So to have a long life, yeah, there's several kinds of karma that, that enable us, uh, that cause a rebirth. So one kind of karma determines what realm we're born into, what kind of body we have. Okay? Another kind of karma is the karma we have for the longevity of of that life. Yeah? Another kind of karma is karma that can cause untimely death. Yeah? So you may have the karma to live very long, but if an untimely karma ripens, it cuts your lifespan short. 
Okay, so this is the kind of karma that causes uh, car accidents, um, you know, very severe illnesses when you're young, these kinds of things. Yeah. So we actually need a lot of good karma to have a long life. And what Shantideva is saying here is because, you know, we're justifying that how much we need the material wealth to live long. He's saying, but if you get angry and create negative karma because of anger and attachment for the sake of your material wealth, yeah, the, the, you're destroying the merit that you need to live a long life. So on one hand, you're saying that you're creating the cause for long life by accumulating material wealth. On the other hand, you're destroying the karma to have a long life. So what's the use of doing that? Okay, are you getting his argument here? Yeah. So then you have to think of, of a good response to Shanti Deva. He's, he's a debater. <laughs> and he's debating with our, our mind of clinging and, and anger. So then, then the, the negative mind, again, it tries another, another thing. Surely I should be angry with those who say unpleasant things that weaken others' confidence in me. Yeah, so this is the one, you know, yeah, surely I should be angry. And the Bodhisattva precept says I should do something you know, if I, if somebody's criticizing me unjustly and destroying others' confidence in me, I should do something to stop them from doing that. Yeah, so I want to keep my bodhisattva vows. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? Listen to the tone of voice it's said with. Listen to the mind that, that's saying that. Okay. So surely I should be angry with those people who destroy my public image because they're preventing me from being of great benefit to others by teaching the Dharma because nobody's going to think well of me and come to my teachings. Okay, so when my mind starts with that reason, okay, what I say to it is, yeah, it's actually better for them that they don't come when you're teaching. If you have a mind like that, they should not be learning Dharma from you. They should go to somebody who's a better teacher. Yeah. So if we're sitting there getting jealous because somebody else has a better reputation, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm using Dharma. It could be a, your reputation for anything, you know. But I'm jealous somebody else has a better reputation and they have more opportunities than I do and I get blamed and people criticize me in public and ruin my reputation so nobody wants to come and, you know, listen to my Dharma teachings. I'm such a good teacher. They should really come. I want a full audience because I studied hard. I really have something to, to give sentient beings that will benefit them if they'd only open their ears and overcome their prejudice and listen to me. Right? <laughs> Sounds good. 
and it's BS. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get to Shanti Geva's uh, um, response. Okay, so here's my mind. Surely I should be angry with those who say unpleasant things that weaken other beings' confidence in me. Chandideva, the or the wise self, says, In the same way, why am I not angry with people who say unpleasant things about others? Hmm. Why aren't I angry when one person criticizes somebody else? Actually, if I'm honest, I'm kind of happy when one person criticizes that person, because then that person has a bad reputation, and that means I'm better than them. So the person who criticized another person, they're a good person. They're no, not my enemy. They're destroying the, the reputation of the other person I'm jealous of, which will benefit me. Mm. Yeah. So Santi Deva says, you know, okay. Yeah. Why am I not angry with, with people who say unpleasant things about others? Yeah. When we keep asking ourselves that question, the answers are revealing. Yeah. The answer is either because this person A criticizing person B benefits me, and that's why I, I don't get mad at the, the, the words, or I frankly don't care. Okay. So this presents another question. Okay. So I'm sitting here, somebody else is sitting there. Somebody walks into the room, looks at my friend, okay, my friend, whose name is? Jill. Jill. Okay. Jill. I trusted you to do something, and you promised you would do it. And you didn't do it. And you totally let me down. And it put me in such a bind because I needed the work you were doing. And I didn't have it because you let me down. And then I got blamed for it. Yeah. So somebody comes in and says that to Jill. My friend Jill. Yeah. My friend Jill either explodes in anger or breaks down crying. doesn't matter which one. Okay, they're kind of the same. Yeah. And I look at it and I go, Jill, why are you so upset? You know? I criticize me. But listen, when somebody criticizes you, Jill, they're saying more about themselves than about you. <laughs> yeah, they're saying that they are angry, intolerant people who like to complain. So don't worry about it. No, it's true, because the person who gets angry and explodes, they also lose reputation, you know, especially in a work situation. 
If you're an angry person, you know, nobody wants to work around you. So, you know, they're just kind of pushing their stuff on you. Relax. Yeah. Don't get bent out of shape about this. Yeah. So we kind of console Jill and we tell her it's not a big deal. Right? Now, if the same person walks in the room and instead of looking at Jill and saying, Jill, they look at me and say, children, and then say the exact same critical words, I respond totally differently, don't I? I don't say, oh, children, that person's projecting stuff on you. They're just, you know, venting. Don't regard it. It doesn't mean you're really like that. I don't say that to myself. I say, how dare you talk to me like that? Okay. And it becomes a national catastrophe. Right? Somebody criticizes me? Really, it's more important than migrants being stranded in the freezing cold in the border between Belarus and and Poland. Their suffering doesn't matter. But somebody just criticized me. That is more important than anything else. Okay. The injustice and poverty in this country. Nothing. Somebody criticized me. That is incredibly important. Okay. Why is there the difference? It's the same words that the other person said to to Jill and to me. Why is my response totally different? That's a good one to sit with. Why is my response different? Because they said it to me. And I am the center of the universe, the most important person in the world. And then you say to yourself, who? Me! Yeah, you said that already. Who? (laughs) Yeah. Who's the most important one in the world? Introduce me to that person. Okay. So, the, the point of all this is any way we try to justify our attachment and our anger is doomed to failure. Yeah, it's not going to work. So it's much better just to be honest, look at the situation from a Dharma perspective, and save ourselves all the misery. Some of you are looking at me like, you don't really understand. 
Yeah. You're just saying that. You're not really expecting any sane person. You know, after what's been done to me, to just not retaliate or practice fortitude. That's ridiculous. I am going to be angry. Okay. (laughs) You want to be angry? Your choice. I can't control you. Good luck. Okay, so a few minutes for questions and answers. Yeah, now you can tell me how I'm wrong. And I'll just say, but Shanti Deva told me to say that. Don't blame me, blame him. Okay, so, so now you can criticize Shanti Deva. He's not a good person to criticize. But go ahead, try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What is your ego? Ego is a psycholo- psychological word. It's not a Buddhist word. Yeah. Sometimes people talk about ego in Buddhism, but it's not actually a, a Buddhist concept. Yeah. And even the way it's used in psych, people use it uh, colloquially in psychology, isn't the meaning of how it was originally defined. Yeah. So I can't really answer that question. Yeah. If you ask, you know, what, what is your self-centered mind? That I can say something about. Or what is your self-grasping ignorance? Yeah. But neither of those are, are actually what we call ego, either in a traditionally psychological definition or in a contemporary colloquial, colloquial one. Anything else? Okay, then we'll dedicate. (coughs) Is your ego taking a beating? (laughs) I say that, everybody knows what I mean. But if I ask you, what is your ego? Yeah, what is your ego? (laughs) 